Ladies and gentlemen, get excited and get ready. You're about to be motivated and inspired as you hear from other show business professionals and high-achieving business professionals throughout the business community. All walks of life give you insight, leadership, motivation, and how they overcame obstacles. Game up and get ready for motivation and show business. And ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a new episode, new show of Motivation and Show Business. I have a, I'm, I'm excited about this guest we have today. This person has personally helped me quite a bit, Matthew, Mr. Matthew Forenza with Finding Prime. Um, I'm going to let him go a little bit into exactly what he does, and then I'll go into how I was able to connect with this lo- lovely gentleman. My, my man, Matt, Mr. Matthew, go ahead and say hello. Hello. Thanks for having me on the show, Dwayne. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So, Mr. Matthew, can you kind of get into, um, well, let me kind of give people a little bit of an overview for myself personally. I was at a point, you know, I'd done Tony Robbins coaching and done other type of coaching program, and I was at a point where I didn't really have a system built. And I was looking into developing a system, and I would talk to different people and talk to other different uh, entrepreneurs business people and trying to say I'm trying to build a system and people kind of kept directing me back to coaching and I I knew coaching was more for mindset and staying motivated and but that really wasn't what I was looking for and uh, our mutual friend Kevin you know when I actually had the conversation with him he said it sounds like Dwayne you need more of a strategist and not necessarily a coach and then my shift a shift a mental shift happened with me where I started really focusing on trying to find a, a business strategist, which led me to you, which is that's more along the lines of what you do. Is that correct? It is, yes. So can you kind of give the, you know, the, newer, the, the newer listeners maybe some of these aspiring entrepreneurs that they need to understand the difference and what that difference is between a business coach and a business strategist? Sure. Um, well, first, first and foremost, strategy is a big part of what we do at Finding Prime. Um, Finding Prime, Inc., at FindingPrime.com is we basically what we do is we're a direct marketing company and advertising company that also works with organizations helping them build their sales and marketing systems and when we build those sales and marketing systems you know we build them in a way that's designed to help generate leads um, and that's a very important part of what we do do and then obviously too we're also helping our clients build their sales and marketing strategy their marketing sales and marketing plan and then we work through helping them with the management of those plans and implementations so when when I talk to you about all the different things that we do I'm really talking to you about a system that we've put together of services to assist other business owners and entrepreneurs um, in being successful with their company um, and those are the types of systems that somebody would would need to build in order to be successful. You'll find that most people, when when they're opening up a business, they go right from idea or invention, and then they go to market, and they go to market and they start spending a whole lot of money broadcast advertising and just trying everything and just seeing if if and what will work. Mm -hmm. And if they're fortunate enough to have enough capital left after they do that, what tends to happen is, is they start getting business, but once they start getting business, they don't have systems in place on how to fulfill that business. And I've actually worked with people who were doing so well, they were selling themselves out of business. 
Wow. Because they didn't understand their way that they were collecting money, their contracts, and their packaging. And even though they were making a lot of sales, their their contracts weren't bringing enough money in front, up front to pay for delivery of all the new business that was coming in. And they were constantly underwater simply because of the way they were organize, organizing their sales packages and their agreements with their clients. So, you know, being able to know that when you go out and you're going to launch a new product or you're trying to relaunch an old product or make a business that you've been working at even more successful, one of the key factors to understand is that there's all this kind of work that you need to do before you start spending money on advertising. And and often, if you can, before you start selling in order to ensure your success. And not just your success financially, but your business has to be something that makes your life better. I mean, why open up a business? And, you know, very few people are going to be happy if all they get out of their business is money. Right. They're also looking for self-satisfaction. They're looking to employ and help other people. Uh, they're looking for a sense of pride in the product or service that they deliver. And they're looking for that business to be able to deliver them a lifestyle that they want. And a lot of people find financial success, but they're miserable because they never built systems that allowed them to actually live the dream, to truly own a business and not be owned by it. Right. And so a lot of people, have they'll open up a business and, they, as you say, they go directly to market. They take a lot of money, they throw it into marketing, and they kind of do the, you know, throw it against the wall, what sticks, sticks. And then when those returns start coming in, they sometimes can't handle the business. They can't handle the success. And that's when you're saying, I guess that's kind of what you're saying when you said that they've kind of sold themselves out of business because they, they don't have the system in place to support the business that they do have coming in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So there's, 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 these systems are very important, and they make a big difference in not only the success, but the happiness you have during that success in your business. Well, what I, what I, what I was amazed when we started working together was, if I can use this, if I can use this phrase in referring to, you, you know, you come, you have come out of and seen these major shifts in marketing from, you know, the old, the very old school. You know, I mean, you've been in the game a long time, and that 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 old school of back with the, you know, I mean, you were telling me when you used to, you know, what some people refer to as the beat walk, you know, walking into a business cold, knocking on a door, and getting the business, and then you know, doing the yellow page thing and helping businesses with yellow pages, and then branching out onto now you have really crossed over into the digital platform. There's a lot of people, um, if I can say this kind of in that your age demographic, they haven't made that shift to digital. They're still stuck or they're intimidated about that. How have you been able to kind of transition that? It was yeah, just- that's, that's, yeah, that's a great question. You know, I'm 52 years old, so I'm right at the point where many of my peers seem lost with technology, um, where some of them actually adopted technology like I did, seeing that it was necessary in order to move forward and get the most out of your business and your life. And, you know, in the, in, the, in the years that we're in now. Um, and you're right, I, I started uh, personally in both consumer and business-to-business sales, walking door-to-door, knocking on doors, consumers knocking on business doors, sometimes in the winter in Boston, freezing, <laughs> um, you know, just trying to make a sale, you know, many moons ago uh, to, to, you know, going to a boiler room type environments where it's something like Wall Street, um, to consulting sales and all the way in between. Um, 
so I've kind of came up through everything that's been evolving since I've been in the business. And I've been in the business since, you know, really since I got out of high school is when I opened up my first business. Wow. Um, and, you know, when I, my, the, I was, I was working in the internet and that's really, you know, the, probably the first transition. You know, I remember when the internet started to become popular and people were talking about websites and the majority view was still, um, you know, this is a fad. Right. Why would anybody want to do that? Yeah. And then the same thing with email marketing. Well, why would anybody want to, you know, give me their email address? You know, that kind of a thing. Um, but what they didn't realize is is that when, when email marketing first started to come out, people loved it. They were amazed. Everybody who got an email was just amazed by the technology. And then when you could, you know, hyperlink something in an email, and people could click on it and go see something pop up on their screen. This was interactive. So yeah. for your younger listeners who grew up in the technology age, it was a big deal. When you when you clicked on a link and something changed on a screen, you could never impact what you were watching. You know, we grew up in an era where you turned on a channel, they weren't even on, so half the shows weren't even on on Sunday evening, and yeah. there were only a few channels, and uh, you just watch. I mean, the, the most interaction you could do was tra- change a channel, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So this this was kind of amazing, and and people really loved it. And back in those days, Yahoo was the number one search engine. Yeah, I used. I remember using Yahoo there when I because Yahoo really, the internet age really, you know, really burst. You know, ninety six, ninety seven, and ninety eight. And I remember when I transitioned and starting to get more aggressive with being an entertainer. You know, I used Yahoo for everything. I used Yahoo for my. For my email, I would buy my flights. You remember Yahoo had a had a way where you can buy plane tickets. I was buying plane tickets through Yahoo. Then then they integrated Maps, and I was able to do you know uh, the Map you know well not Map Quest but whatever Yahoo's Maps app was. I mean Yahoo was everything. Yeah, and it's funny and how that how that's changed to now Google is everything. Exactly. Well, back then in the day when Yahoo was first the number one search engine. Uh, we discovered very early on that the only thing you needed to do to get your business or the business that you were doing work for, in my case, to get your business number one in Yahoo was it for it to be the most searched business. Yeah. I mean, that was the algorithm. They figured, hey, the more people are searching, the more interesting it is. So well, all you did is people would just hire people to sit in the back room and search their website all day long. Boom, 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 boom. And they get them to come up. You know, soon Yahoo figured that out and changed everything, but that was really the very beginning. And in those days, it was a big boom for small business um, because for the first time in history, at least recent history, you a small business could compete with the bigs. You know, you didn't have to have the kind of budget that could advertise on ABC, NBC, or CBS right. or in a large newspaper. You could do it for virtually nothing. And people were uh, adopting the use of the internet and email at a, 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 a rapid rate. And you could actually beat out the banks mm-hmm. by getting online and getting into email marketing and building out a nice website. And the bigs didn't like that at all. But, you know, they're big companies. They're slow to move. You know, mm-hmm. the bigger you are, the slower it takes to turn around, right? Yeah. So, you know, they, they were slow to move and adjust to the marketplace. And for quite some time, Small businesses had a big advantage. Hmm. What 
backing up a little bit to the to you know a lot of like I know I know I tend to target my podcast to that you know for me still there's a lot of decision makers that are that are in that window of 40 to you know I say 55 some of them are adopting into technology slower right some of them are just flat flat out intimidated they don't want to deal with it it what tangible advice or tactics or what can you give those listeners? I mean, because, you know, the younger generation, you know, the 20s, early 30s, they grew up with the technology. So the, some of these older decision makers that are just being stubborn, you know, they're kind of grumpy about it, grumbling, I don't want to do that internet stuff, Facebook and all that stuff. What tangible advice could you give them that, that, that they can take away as far as getting into and not being and being less intimidated about? about technology and, and the shift that's actually happened. So you're asking me as far as the business is marketing or right. as far as those people themselves? The business is both. Marketing? Let's do both. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're, let's start with the easy part. If you're a consumer and you're not using, if you're, for whatever reason, you're deciding not to use technology as a main tool, you know, that's only going to work if you're in a, you're dealing with a very uh, interpersonal one-on-one type local business. Um, and you're fine with dealing with the uh, local economy that you're in. If you're trying to, uh, you know, if you're if you're a consumer and you're trying to reach and get the best deals, find out the best thing, you know, find out as much as you can about products and services. Um, go down to your local library; they all have free programs in which you can learn how to use technology better. And if you can just get on YouTube and start knowing how to search YouTube. Finding out what's a good, you know, what's a good versus a bad, uh, bad type content published. Almost anything you ever wanted to learn about how to do anything is on YouTube. Isn't that crazy? Um, yes, yeah, I mean it is. I mean, I I do car repairs. I mean, I'm terrible with mechanics, but if it's something that I can do and save myself a little bit of money, I'm finding that a lot of these things are extremely easy, and I learn how to do it on car on YouTube. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. So, so from the consumer, you just got to get on it. I mean. To me, like I tell people, it's like when they start talking about, I don't want to do this or that because I don't want to be online. I don't want my information taken. And I, you know, that time has passed. We're all being monitored all the time anyways. I'm not saying it's good, but I'm just saying that's not going to keep you from being monitored. But I just say it's just like the telephone. I mean, there was a time when people thought, would argue that you should write letters as opposed to talk on the telephone. You know, or that even bicycles or trains were going too fast because it's dangerous for your heart. I mean, it's just, you got to move on. Um, as, as far as businesses go, well, I mean, there's what's happening in the Internet right now, that's kind of a, com- a complex story because there's major changes that have, have happened. You see, way back when, uh, in the late 90s, like you were saying, when, the, um, when the, the bigs noticed that the small businesses were able to really start, um, you know, making headway against them, and that these new digital giants were coming in and taking over big retailers. Mm-hmm. The more and more that happened over the you know last couple of decades, the bigs kind of decided to try and take everything back. And I would say probably as of about February of this year, they pretty much succeeded in that. If you're an online marketer and you're listening to me and it doesn't sound like you've had the experience that I'm talking about, being able to take advantage of the internet, it's easy and inexpensive. It's probably because what's happened is, is that, you know, Google and say the Facebooks and the large, you know, 
digital companies have managed to come back around. They're, they're starting to control all the platforms, and they're starting to,、um, you know, kind of corral everybody together and make you use them.、Mm-hmm. And then once they got, once they started to do that, and they started to do that through Google advertising or advertising on YouTube, Facebook advertising, and once they start getting everybody having to use them. Then what they do is, of course, the price just goes up and up and up and up, and that's what's happened. In addition to that, their policies have become more restrictive, so it's almost like they're telling you what you can and can't advertise. Yes.、Um, lots of people that that sell very good products,、um, but they get banned, you know, because some computer algorithm somewhere sees it as an unpolitically correct、uh, product or service, and they just ban it.、Um, and that's happening right now all over YouTube. Content developers on YouTube who have made a living, you know, whole families that have just been, you know, that have been dependent on their ad revenue from YouTube. Well, you know, YouTube is deciding that, you know, the parent company Google and whoever owns them, you know, they're deciding that there's certain content that they don't want on the platform, harmless content, but they don't want it. So they're they're demonetizing this content and they're putting people out of business.、Yeah. So. Reaching people is becoming harder and harder to do,、um, and we can talk a little bit more about that. But、um, to, to get more specific, back to the question,、um, the number one thing that you can do right now online to ensure your future success is going to be to build your email database. Now, I have to tell you that email marketing is getting more and more difficult. Yes, it but, is. <laughs> but it's still. Better having your own list and sending to your own list because people who are interested in what you have to say and what you have to sell will open your emails as long as you're you're creating good content. Yeah. And you're not. It's not always trying to sell them something. You have to have value-added content, things that are in and around the subject matter of your product or your service that are add value to them by just reading it. They don't have to buy something、right. in order to think that reading this email, reading this email, was a Worth my time, and, and one- us having that conversation, you know, I shifted my like my regular newsletter that I send out to my list.、Um, you know, I kept me and you helped me come up with, you know, what can I add in this email that will make them want to open it. So I've had I've had so many people because so I do the I do the coffee thing right where、mm-hmm. I have a I have a a barcode that I load money onto. And you know, by them not opting out and them opening it, they can take that barcode, get a scan, and if there's money left on it, I put so much money on it every email. People get free coffee. You know,、um, this just something I had to add, that I wanted to add, giving them a reason to want to open up the email and not opt out because we are being bombarded with email and people are opting out left and right. So you have to come up with something. To to make people want to open up that email, but now me implementing that, I've seen a difference in my responses because I've really made the email less about me and more about what I would think they would want to read. Yeah, and that's a, that's an incredible idea, and you know, it's that kind of creativity is what it takes. Yeah, and and you also have to know something about being getting emails delivered, which is a big part of it as well, but. You know, if if you're asking how to reach people, how to reach people from the older market, I mean, they're still opening emails. Yes. You know, they may not be as sophisticated, 
But, you know, the 40-somethings are opening their emails. I mean, my parents who are in their 80s are opening emails every day. So uh, the, the, older market, the older generation has adopted the use of email, and they'll browse the web. But when they, they get a little bit less interested in text marketing and social media than some of the younger folk. Um, but, of course, you know, that, that was always the, the number one thing. I mean, I've helped companies go from, you know, in debt to making millions of dollars a year within just a few years. Yeah. I helped one company, um, you know, go from making a few hundred thousand dollars a year to three million dollars a year in three years based on their email database alone. Wow. And I've done campaigns with companies where one email campaign has generated three quarters of a million dollars. One email so, campaign. One email. And so there's lots of things. That, I mean, it's not a get-rich kind of quick scheme. I mean, it takes time. You you know, here's the things you need to do. You need, you need to build your database. And you need to have a strategy in place. And that strategy needs to include the key things that any any effective strategy is going to have. It needs to have, you know, it needs to have, you know, who your market is. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do that analysis and find out who your best customers are, where they are, both geographically and digitally online. And you need to go to them. Just go to them. Don't worry about anybody else. Yeah. You need to develop a series of key marketing phrases. This is just a handful of phrases that can make or break your business. You only have so many seconds to capture people's attention. And if you don't understand how the buying mind works, which is, am I in the right place? Now that I'm in the right place, what's in it for me? And now that I know what's in it for me, why should I buy from you instead of your competition? I mean, there's a, there's a, just a few different points that the, the buyer's mind goes through. And you need to know how to tailor, tailor these key marketing phrases to speak directly to what's going through their head within the first 30 seconds. They either look at your ad, your direct mail letter, or your email letter, or even land on the homepage of your website. Yeah. So you've got to do that kind of thing. You've got to find the right audience. You've got to have your strategy in place. And then you've got to build good sales and marketing copy that's going to convert them into leads or to online sales. And, and I, once you, I need to pause just for a second and testify to what you're saying because I was smart enough to know that I wasn't smart enough to know that. And... And when I talked to you, know, when we when I talked to Kevin, and we were having that, and that's when he said you really need to talk to Matthew. Matthew, that's what Matthew does. And I'm gonna tell the listeners kind of a <laughs> kind of a side note about this. When I initially called Matt and basically pitched him what I was wanting to do, Matt turned me down. Matt turned me down and said, "I've never really done that entertainer, entertainer, magician, magic. I don't know what you're talking about." And I don't know if we would work and all that. And then me calling him back a second time. And I don't know. I don't know. You know, Matt is, and ladies and gentlemen, don't get it twisted. Matt is extremely sophisticated in sales. Okay. So maybe, maybe that was a ploy to get me to call him back. But it, it was, it was interesting that, well, I initially reached out to him because I was smart enough to know, I don't know that. And when we got deep in those conversations and we, our initial conversations, you know, Matthew's company and his, and, and his expertise has been hired to move the needle. Then you say, you know, sometimes people have hired you just to move the needle two or three percent, but that over hundreds of thousands of dollars, that's a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, some of my clients have already saturated their market. 
not saturated completely, but at least the early adopters and yeah. a little bit beyond. And these are companies who have big budgets and they, you know, they make, you know, twenty, thirty million dollars a year. And that's not huge, but that's a good sized company, right? Especially when we're talking about single ownership. Yeah. Um, and you know, they know that if they can eke out two or three more percent profit, it's because of the type of uh, volume and sales they're doing, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but some of the companies I work with, you know, they're small. They're small. I mean, and they, you know, they're just launching and they're starting to sell their products for the first time. And, you know, they may need to hit those early adopters, which is always the easiest stage, but most people just don't know how to go after them. Right. Um, and that's why, yeah, I mean, I mean, and if somebody's out there and, and, you're, and you can humble yourself to, enough to say, I don't know that information or I need to get better about that information. Or I need to get that information. You know, that's where, you know, me wanting to have Matthew on brings, brings him in for that because, you know, there are people out there that does what Matthew does and it's can be as something as simple. I mean, I don't want to give it away, but I'll, I will, I will allude to this. Something when me and you, me and you had a conversation, when we were talking about my website. You told me to change my font to a certain font. And it's little things like that that I wouldn't have even thought would affect the buyer or could affect the buyer. But those little things Matthew knows, the, the, the size of font, the type of font. And these things that are happening, you know, these marketing campaigns that we get bombarded with, that's the, a lot of that's not by accident. People are strategically thinking every possible phase through when they come to trying to market to you and trying to get you to buy, right? Yeah, exactly. Think, think about think about it more like baseball than like a Hail Mary in football, right? So, you know, it's an, marketing is an in, incremental game, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's not typically it's not one big thing you hit everything over the head with a hammer and you you know you score. You know, it's basically you know first you get up, you bat, right, and then you've got to you know then you've got to get on base and then you've got to go to second base, so forth and so on. You know, there's all these little things that encourage people to stay on your website and to read more and to try your product and to open your email. And this may be half a percent. This may be a quarter percent. This may count for 2% of the overall, uh, what we at the end would call a response. But it's all these incremental things you do, the small things that make a big difference. Mm. Because those small things continue to add up. They do. And build the momentum. And build that momentum. Yeah. They equal a sale or they equal a lead, depending on what you're looking for. Right, right. What um, is is there a a effective way you feel to follow up when it comes to leads? Well, here's the thing: it depends on your audience, and it depends on your product and service. You have to know those things. So, marketing is just math. You, you know, you've well, you, heard me say it. People you, ask me direct questions. You're, you're a math guy. Promise. You are a math guy. <laughs> I always promise them I'm not trying to avoid your question, but it's not it's not a black and white answer, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, people will say, well, you know, well, what's the best form of advertising? And I guess if I had to give an answer, I'd say, well, word of mouth is always the best. Good recommendations, but you can't buy that. Right. If you could buy that, I'd be out of business, and everyone would just go and buy that. <laughs> but that's a result of good marketing and good sales, quality product and service all combined, and then you have a customer experience that makes a recommendation, but you can't get there until you do all this other stuff first. Right. So, I mean, it depends. I mean, it, it also depends. Like, there's, 
you know, I'm a, a graduate of the uh, Sailor School of Sales, and that's for selling to very high-end executives. And the way you treat the, let's say, the, uh, you know, chief of staff on a hospital to sell multi-million dollar medical equipment, that whole dynamic is completely different than the way I may choose to, you know, talk to a consumer about purchasing, um, you know, a vacation. Yeah. Or a product like a kayak. Mm-hmm. Um, or even just a business-to-business op- difference. It's like when you talk to a consumer, you know, they're mostly the same, but selling to a consumer has is a different dynamic than selling to a business person. Yeah. Because a business person is has a whole lot of different things riding on them making a good decision than the consumer does. And then the length of the relationship matters. Are you selling a product and you're never going to see them again? And I'm not saying that's an excuse for not doing things right. Yeah. But I'm just saying the level of trust there is different than when you're going to need, someone's going to need to rely on you month after month after month if you're selling a service or even software as a service and they need to buy your software and use it month after month after month. So, I mean, the, I can tell you, I mean, the answer to the question, is there a, is there a preferred way to follow up? There's different ways, but I can tell you the one thing that's always key is follow up. Yeah. You know, yeah. follow up immediately Correct. and, and then, then start a sales process and make sure that when you follow up, it's a professional uh, follow up, providing all the information that you have and train your salespeople, train yes. your salespeople. I've always said that good sales is just communication on steroids. That's all it is. And, you know, train your salespeople to write emails and to talk in ways that aren't subjective. Mm-hmm. So there's no mistakes in that sales process that happen often that end up messing up a sale at the end. Yeah. You know, everything is objective, written out, spelled, communicated clearly, and make sure that no, no assumptions are in place. And people respect and trust that. The other thing I would say if we're talking about general rules is always be on time. Okay. I can't tell you how many people I've, I've worked with who have said that, you know, you're always on time. It's like you call on the dot. It's like you've almost never had to cancel an appointment. That may seem like a small thing, but when you can, whether people consciously know it or not, when you can be trusted with those kinds of things, yeah. then they trust you with the bigger things. Right, right. It does build trust. And yourself. It does build trust. You know, I believe, I'm a big believer in speed. Um, it's a, just a habit that I have. If you send me a message, you send me an email, if I'm not on a flight and I'm not on stage, I'm going to get back to you right away. And I think that builds in that trust vein also of, you know, it build it sets a tone immediately. When people reach out to me, they know I'm going to get back to them. Um, I believe that that also builds to the sales, no question. So let's talk about what's happening now. Um, I know we had talked about, about a little bit of what the more direct marketing campaign and it's funny how marketing can kind of go in shifts right or in these cycles where things have moved so digital that moving towards more a little bit more tangible where people can actually put their hands on is adding more value because now it's different because everybody now everybody's like email me send me a link send me the pdf um send me the digital download right um, this new thing we were talking about, this more direct marketing piece that 
you're starting to implement and you're helping some of your companies do. Uh, talk more about that and, and the response that you're getting from that. Yeah, there's, there's a big trend in the industry for people to go back to uh, direct mail and things that are more tangible. I personally, and I've usually been pretty good about predicting trends, mm-hmm. but I personally believe it's a combination of things. Is, is The more and more technolo- technology in- infiltrates our lives, the more people are seeking more connection. Okay. And just anything that you can hold your, in your hand is a bit of a more connection. Um, the other thing is, is that uh, marketing and advertising online has become so frustrating for so many people because the bigs have kind of taken control again. And you have to follow their rules, do it the way they want, and spend the amount of money they want in order to and even drive traffic. I mean, for, for example, Facebook right now, mm-hmm. if you put links back to your website and Facebook, they're going to they're gonna share that post less than they're going to share it if you put, a, put it to a link maybe to an event or an offer directly on Facebook. They're um, doing everything they can to keep you on their platform, and they're all doing that, which takes away your sovereignty and ownership of your own business if you can't control your own sales and marketing. Wow. So, um, so it's becoming harder and harder. So business people are going to, more to it. I think consumers are appreciating it more. Mm-hmm. And because of what uh, happened, you know, uh, and a lot of people don't know this, it really upset the uh, apple cart in the email marketing industry. I know there was a challenge for several months for me and my team to get past it. Um, but what happened is, is in February of this year, um, about mid-February, uh, what happened is, is that this machine learning, which is AKA, AKA artificial intelligence, was installed on many of the uh, internet service provider servers. It was as it was a machine learning program, which is a subset of artificial intelligence. It was designed by, uh, created by Google. And Yahoo, AOL, Verizon, and Outlook, and a lot of the major providers installed this new machine learning program. And the idea of this machine learning program, it was to filter email. Now, they always say that it, the design is to make the user's experience better. Mm-hmm. But what this machine learning did is, is it really, really upset the apple cart because it changed all the rules overnight. And, I, you know, there's not enough time to go into how many times this has been done. This is not the first time it's been done. But it changed all the rules overnight on how to get emails delivered. And things like, you know, deciding if somebody doesn't open your newsletter within a month, they're downgrading your email as spam. Now, that's mm. insane because I've got a lot of newsletters that I love. Yeah. But my life doesn't allow me to always read them all at one time. Sometimes weeks will go by and I'll sit down on a Saturday and I'll read some of my favorite newsletters back to back for my favorite authors. Okay. You know, I mean, it's just, we, but that's crazy. But for example, if your email doesn't get opened up in a month's time, then your, your score is going lower. There's something called a sender score. Or they're even flagging these things as spam and your email's not getting through. Yes. They've decided how large the email should be, how many images should be in the email, and they're doing a whole host of other things to determine whether or not your email should get delivered to your customers. And I'm talking about opt-in emails, where people say they want your emails. Wow. They're making different decisions based off of, you know, based off of what their new artificial intelligence says is good email and is bad email. So this, this is really kind of like, 
there's another nail in the coffin of, mm-hmm. of for a, for marketers who are trying to get by all the rules and regulations of the bigs and not have to pay a fortune in Google advertising, AdWords, and things like that. Um, so for that reason too, again, I, email marketing is still an incredibly powerful force. It has to be part of your media mix. But right now what we're seeing is a trend to back towards direct mail. Mm-hmm. And because of technology, um, you know, what's really happening in the marketplace is a new trend is that uh, traditional direct mail is being replaced by digital uh, imprint hybrids. Um, and these are programs like the company I'm going to introduce to you, Friends, uh, which is really the forerunner on this trend in the industry, um, has a program that combines digital, combines mobile, and combines direct mail, which is incredibly powerful. can virtually guarantee 100% eyes on your ad and 100% open rate of your direct mail. Wow. Wow. 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, right. virtually. Yeah. Virtually, okay. Yeah, All right. Close to it. <laughs> <laughs> Can you explain a little bit more about that? Yeah, basically what it is is uh, this company, Frintz, um, which Finding Prime is the authorized provider for Frintz, um, so I'm able to get people on this program, this program and help them develop their strategies in order to do it right. But um, what, what this company is doing is they have all the patents, so they're the only company that can do it, is they've got a new uh, app, um, which is only being released in certain markets right now as we open up different markets across the country. But they have an app where people can request 20 photos, any kind of photo that they want. They can be photos of their, their uh, table tents for their restaurant if they're a business owner, or it can be 20 personal photos. But they go in and they request photos to be sent to them, high-definition, high-quality, glossy photos. And they get those quick photos requested to be sent to them, and there's no cost at all. There's no shipping. There's no fee to join. It's zero, nothing. There's no cost at all. They get them for absolutely free. So this is a big boom for the consumer. I mean, a lot of people keep their photos on their phone. Mm-hmm. But most people have some photos they want printed out, and there's still a large percentage of the market that would love, especially if they're free, to have those photos uh, delivered to them in a tangible format. You can go down to your local drugstore, CVS, Walmart, and there's people all the time printing out photos. Yeah. You know, printing out photos. So this is, this is an incredible opportunity for the consumer. But how does it help the actual business owner? Well, when the person receives their packet, it's a nice 12 and a half by six, you know, heavy, thick packet. Um, you know, when they sign up and in between, they're going to get a lot of emails and notifications that the packet's coming. When they receive their packet, each one of those photos is attached to a six by eight ad. Again, all high quality process. In fact, the Friends factory is 500,000 square feet in the Eastman Kodak building in, in New York. And uh, the company has a lot of um, recently ex-executives from Kodak working on their team. So it's a very quality package. And when you get the, uh, when you get the uh, packet, you open it up, you're going to find on the left side is a 4x6 photo, the one that you ordered. There's a patented micro perforation, which clears perfectly, tears perfectly clean. You separate the picture. On the right side, there's a 6x8 ad. So, I mean, who's going to order pictures, get a giant packet in the mail, and not open the packet? 
That's why I say virtually 100% open rate. I mean, for all intents and purposes, everybody's going to open that packet. Well, because yeah, because I mean, I mean, they're requesting it. They're, I mean, it's not a thing where it's being just coldly sent to them. They're requesting these are the photos I want. So when they when they arrive, they're going to open it. Yeah. Exactly, and then once they, you know, who's going to open it and not look at least at every other every picture? And when they open it up, they hold the picture in their left between their left forefinger and thumb, and they hold the ad between their right forefinger and thumb. So they're going to at least glance at your ad, and if your ad is of any interest to them at all, they might take advantage of the ad, and then they tear apart the picture. Uh, on top of that, the targeting is very good, and we don't have time to talk about that now. Okay, but. The targeting is absolutely astronomical. I mean, we're not talking about anybody getting the packet. If you sell uh, dog uh, pet supplies, then you're going to get your ad out to somebody who uh, owns a pet. Right. Um, so the targeting, and there's all kinds of ways that uh, Friends does that. Um, so we'll, you know, that's something that it takes a little bit longer to explain, but the targeting is awesome. So you're not just getting 100% open rate and 100% eyes on your ad. You're also getting it to people that are in your demographic. Um, and so, you know, they open it up, and on top of all of that, I mean, it's not like when you get junk mail. You either throw it out, or maybe it's a coupon book or an envelope with coupons in it. You might open it. I know I do. But, you know, you're rushing around, you're going through it kind of begrudgingly because you didn't ask for this, and <laughs> you're hoping to find a coupon you like. Right. With this, you I requested it, and they're your pictures, and they're free. So you have this feeling of elation, and you know, oh, this is so cool! I got these for free. And you know, obviously, you upload the pictures you wanted to see. Right. So those good feelings that the consumer is experiencing while they open up the packet will transfer over to the advertisers as well. It gives you just another, you know, one of those incremental gains yeah. to get the opportunity to have the ad, to have the consumer look at your ad. Um, and to look at it yeah. um, in favorable eyes. And this can be business to business or it can be business to consumer. Well, I'm excited about it. I know it's going to be a marketing arm that I'm going to implement in some of the things that I have going on. Um, and it, it the, the, the science and everything behind it just makes sense. I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, so the, the, their picture is attached to an ad, but the picture is free, and it's a picture they requested, and it's a picture that they wanted, you know. But like you said, they people will look at the ad, and if you're targeting the people that are the the ads are being targeted to the people in that audience, I mean, it, it's it's a, I think it's a it's brilliant, man. It's it's a brilliant marketing thing. It's it's absolutely incredible. So I'm excited. I'm going to put um, the links where people can get in touch with you if they have more questions about that. They want to get more information about that and send them uh, to your website. If, is it okay if I go ahead and put your direct email in there? Do you would you want that or you want them just to go to your website? Which one would you? Prefer? Yeah, let's let's have them go to. Um, they feel free if they're interested in our new uh, digital and print hybrid program with Friends. Um, if they're interested in that program, have them email Matthew at digital to print marketing.com okay i'm happy to have them email directly okay if they're interested in you know if there's anything else that they're interested in they want to learn a little bit more about my services they can go to findingprime.com there's a contact form on there um and if they go to digital to print marketing.com it's just a one-page website mm-hmm. but they can read up more on the program and we're looking not only for people who want to advertise in these packets and right now 
uh, we're basically giving away the ads for the new areas that we launch. So if you're in one of the new areas we launch, it'll be cheaper than anything else you've ever tried. But we're also looking for people who want to be ambassadors to our program, who may already sell media and want to offer this to their clients, or okay. maybe people who even want to open up an area as yes. a business owner or an independent rep. So we're open right now to, uh, to a lot of opportunity. All right. All right, Matt. Well, before we jump off, I want to ask you a question, and I want to get your, uh, your input on this, please. Okay. So let's say, and this is this is this is totally left field, but I'm asking uh, for for two reasons. I'll explain after we get done recording, right? If if this is just you being in the business as long as you've been in, right? Dealing with business owners, I have a personal opinion about the answer to this, but I want to hear what you have to say. If there's a say, there's a, a you know a, a man or woman out there, they're in a relationship. They are wanting to start a business. And they have a non-supportive significant other. What is there any kind of feedback or advice you could give to them? Yeah, I mean that's that's a tough one because it depends a lot on the individual's personality. Um, I've known many entrepreneurs that have been successful because they they were able to block out. You know the old expression Teflon Don, right? Right. They were able to block out uh, any uh, negative feedback from a spouse. And they just marched on, mm-hmm. um, and they were successful. Uh, and if if you know if you have a passion and a dream, you know you have to follow it. There's, you know, those those passions that are placed inside our heart, those are gifts. You have to follow those. No one should tell you not to follow those. Of course, you have to do it in a way, especially if you're married or you're sharing finances. You have to do it in a way that it doesn't disrupt somebody else's life completely because it may not be their passion. Right. You have to be fair about it. You can't make them pay for your passion. If you're going to have to go through some hard work and investments to get that passion to fruition, right? Yeah. You can't make everybody else pay for that. So you have to be smart and considerate when you move forward. But if you have that passion and you can't deny it, then you're just going to have to keep focusing on that. And you're going to have to push forward towards it. Don't let anybody stop you. And develop a you know Teflon exterior. Not like, you know, not like you're, you know, you're not caring or anything. But just develop a higher way of thinking and just assume that, you know, you're going to keep at it, that they don't understand, share as much as you can or as little as you should, depending on the situation. Um, but, you know, just the understanding of their fears. Not everybody's an entrepreneur, yeah. so they're going to have fears. And the understanding of maybe their lack of, um, you know, their lack of ability to see the big picture. Mm-hmm. And to, not everybody's a risk taker. You yeah. know, non-risk-takers, taking risk is like sticking them with needles. Yeah. It, don't take it personally. It's just their personality. That's that's what I would have to say there. Just don't take it personally and march forward. Yeah. Okay. Well, Matt, Mr. Matthew Forenza, thank you for everything. Thank you for the information you've given the listeners today. We're going to put all the links he mentioned um, in the show notes, and we're going to put this out and broadcast this and boost this on socials. Uh, thank all the listeners for tuning in. Anything else you want to sign off with, Mr. Matthew? No, just thanks for having me on the show and uh, on the podcast. And uh, it was great talking to you and your listeners. And I, you know, I hope to be able to help some of them. Fantastic. Again, thank everybody for listening. We hope you have a great week. Charge forward, go after it, and be great. Talk to you next time. Goodbye.
If you enjoyed the show and you would like to be a co-host or like to be an interviewee, please write us and let us know. Go to DwayneHill.com or PickACardPro.com. Thank you for listening. Post-editing by Logan Dunbar. Sound supervisor by Logan Dunbar. Additional editing by Gabriel Brittori. Thank you for listening. For more information, go to DwayneHill.com or PickACardPro.com.